0: The following sermon was delivered at the 10:30 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. I wonder this morning. I wonder if some of us might be feeling a bit worn down this week, amid so many stories, so many images of terrible violence, especially in Gaza and into Israel. I wonder if some of us might be feeling a bit anxious, or angry, overwhelmed, or afraid. As I have been praying this week for folks who are living there, I have been praying also for many of you from this congregation, especially those who traveled not too far from some of those areas just this past summer. I imagine those of you who did might be thinking of folks that you met there or places that you visited perhaps feeling with them at least a bit of their pain. This week's headlines have served to remind us once again, the Holy Land is not just a place where Jesus or Paul or other biblical figures lived long, long ago. It is a place where real people are living and dying now. A place where horrific oppression and fear and violence are a daily reality, especially for folks living in the occupied territories of the West Bank and in Gaza. And so along with our prayers by God's grace, may we offer also our voices, our solidarity and our tangible support toward liberation and justice and peace. On the back table this morning, one of those tables just outside those doors, we have printed for you there a couple of resources to help you in that work. They are resources from our United Methodist Council of Bishops and from our United Methodist General Board of Church and Society. They are resources that encourage us to give financially toward relief work through the United Methodist Committee on Relief, or UMCOR. And if you'd like to do so through our congregation, I invite you to do so. Just write UMCOR, U-M-C-O-R on your check or your online donation. Those resources also encourage us to speak and to act toward peace with justice, to contact, beginning with, contacting members of our U.S. Congress. On the back of one of those documents, you'll find a template that you can use to do so if you're searching for the words. For those who are worshiping online, you can email me and I'll be happy to send you those resources directly. Of course, when a painful reality is so massive as this week's and at such a great physical distance from us, it can feel difficult to know exactly how best to respond. It can be difficult to know how our words, how our actions, even sometimes how our prayers will make any difference at all toward goodness in the world. A couple of days ago, I was given this quote that comes from the Talmud. It's a collection of old rabbinical writings or sort of commentary on the Jewish scriptures. And the quote is this, do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now, love mercy now, walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, whose life was committed to ending apartheid, separation, forced separation in South Africa and elsewhere in the world, encouraged us this way. He said, do your little bit of good where you are, for it is those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. A week ago, last Sunday evening, Megan and I gathered with some of our family to watch a a short film, a film titled The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. It's based on this beautifully profound little book by the same name. If you haven't watched the film, if you haven't read the book, I would highly, highly recommend them both. Toward the beginning of the little story, one of the characters turns to another and asks that familiar question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the second character replies, kind. A few weeks ago, we attended, Megan and I, a concert at Blossom Music Center. The singer there was one that we've been listening to and appreciating for a while now. She began the concert with one of my favorite songs. The melody, the harmony are beautiful, but so too the lyrics. Stay gentle, the lyrics begin. Stay gentle, keep the eyes of a child. Don't harden your heart or your hands. No, to find joy in the darkness is wise, although they might think you don't understand. And in our first reading for today, the Apostle Paul says it this way, as he's writing from prison to a deeply conflicted community in Philippi. Let your gentleness, he says, let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. Focus your thoughts on all that is true and holy and just and pure, all that is lovely and worthy of praise. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. When our hearts are broken wide open by something that's hard or frightening or terrible, whether globally or locally or personally, do justice. Love mercy, walk humbly, do your little bit of good where you are, grow up to be kind, stay gentle, and let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, as it so happens, we are exploring through this month of October, five essential practices that reconnect us with God and with each other. And we had planned to focus today precisely on the practice that both enacts and grows in us these qualities, these qualities of justice and mercy and humility, goodness and kindness and gentleness, that is, we are focusing today on serving. First though, a quick review of where we've been for those who haven't been with us or who need a reminder. I hope also that you'll pick up a copy of our 2024 commitment cards before you leave today if you don't have one already. They also are on that back table. We began this series at the beginning of this month with the practice of worship. Worship as giving attention to God's presence, expressing gratitude and listening for God's voice through prayer and through worshiping together. And I suggested specific goals that we might set for both individual prayer and communal worship. And I hope each of us will set those goals for the coming year. And then last week, we turned to the practice of study as a practice of learning, really a a posture of of curiosity and wonder toward each other and ourselves and the world. This willingness to be stretched and challenged and grown, we we study the story of God's love as it's told through our scriptures, but also then as it's told and still being told through our lives and the lives of folks around us. And again, last week, I suggested specific goals for both studying alone and studying together, participating in short-term classes, and ongoing small groups that are focused on building relationships through study and through service. And that brings us naturally then this week to our third essential practice, the practice of serving. For it's serving, serving through any of a myriad of ways and opportunities, it's serving that provides our way forward, both generally and especially in our seasons of brokenness. It is through actively serving others, it is through reaching beyond ourselves in whatever ways that we can, that we rediscover belonging and and meaning and purpose, while we help to heal our violent and fragmented world. Serving is the way God's love always is expressed in the world, acts of kindness and justice and gentleness that change the world. Serving is how we live as disciples. Recall that familiar story from the Gospel of John. Jesus gathers together with the disciples and and he washes their feet and then he dries their feet with the towel that he's wearing. And then, and then don't forget this part, he says to them, I have given you an example, just as I have done, you also must do. He says, wash each other's feet, serve. Created in the image of a God whose love is self-giving, following in the way of a Savior who came not to be served, but to serve we live more deeply connected lives as we serve. We are God's accomplishment. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be our way of life. Servanthood. Other-focused, self-giving love is God's defining characteristic and Jesus' foundation, and it is meant to be ours, too. By grace, God calls and sends and equips and empowers us to love our neighbors and to do so not just in theory, but actually and actively through serving. God is broken-hearted for those who are hurting and wants to use us as part of God's healing response. And although serving isn't always easy, and although serving doesn't always immediately yield the results we might wish for, yet when the whole body of Christ serves together, the impact, of course, is far greater than any one of us could do alone. Small acts of service, seemingly small acts of kindness and and gentleness and justice, a word, a note, an act of advocacy or solidarity, they may not seem like much in the moment, but combined with God's grace, Friends, they are the only way the world is healed. And by God's grace, we're given countless opportunities to do so. Countless opportunities to enact God's love through serving. Every encounter with another human being, even just the way that we think about or consider folks around us or that we hear about in the news, we always have the choice to assume the best of folks rather than the worst. We always have the choice to perceive people as people rather than objects or thin caricatures. We always have the choice in how we will respond, always have an opportunity to show kindness, to seek justice, to grow in gentleness by the way that we treat our neighbors, no matter how they might have treated us. And because we are made for it when we do it, when we choose justice or gentleness, or goodness, when we care for folks and insist on nonviolence as the only way. As we put love into action through simple, localized acts of kindness with no expectation of return, when we do these things, we benefit. We live more fully as we serve. In fact, medical studies have shown throughout the years multiple benefits of getting outside ourselves in this way, serving others' needs, being a positive presence in someone else's life. When we serve, we lower our stress, we increase our self-confidence, we decrease the likelihood of, of, of depression. We grow new relationships as we serve. We are actually physically and mentally and emotionally healthier people, all of which makes sense since it's what we are created for. And all those benefits are amplified then when we serve together. Not only do we make a greater impact on the world by serving together than alone, but we build community along the way. Community doesn't just happen by hanging out together, we build community, we deepen our relationships when we have a shared purpose, when we're making a positive difference in our community together whether serving a lunch, or working on a Habitat for Humanity site, or serving clothes at the clothing center, or household goods for a rummage sale, or cleaning and maintaining our building and grounds for all those life-giving ministries that happen all week in this place. I have witnessed and I have experienced the truth of this over and over again, and I know that so many of you have too. The truth is we connect more deeply with each other as we serve side by side. But, of course, all of this requires that we be available for it, that we intentionally ensure there's some margin in our lives so we can respond. Amid all our business, we need to be interruptible and attentive and ready to respond when those opportunities are placed in front of us. Serving is sacramental. Serving is a a mystery that we can be so filled even as we pour ourselves out for others. And yet we know it is true. The more that we serve others, the more fulfilled we are in return, and the more God's love is made real and active. A balm, a healing presence in a hurting world. And so I invite us this day, and in the days to come, to commit to it. For it is what we need, and it's what our world needs too. Let's add to our daily practice of prayer an opening, an offering, a a seeking. Praying, God, what do you need me to do today? Where do you want to use me now? When we invite God to interrupt us in this way, to to send us to serve, we encounter God already there in ourselves, in our community, in our world. In the coming year, I'm encouraging each of us to commit to five intentional acts of kindness every week. You can do that every day, easily. I'm asking you to commit to every week. Share a kind word, write someone a note of appreciation or encouragement, listen deeply and intentionally to someone's story. Whatever the opportunity, big or small, put someone else ahead of yourself. Look for God's presence in the person that you serve. And don't leave it to chance. I know we love to talk about random acts of kindness, but there is nothing random about following Christ. Plan on it, commit to it, pray for opportunities, and then respond. As in today's parable from Matthew 22, go to the roads on the edge of town. Go to the places you wouldn't otherwise go. Seek God's presence in surprising places and serve, serve the folks that you find there. And commit, too, to serving together. Serving both through whole congregation service projects and, again, through small groups committed to building relationships by studying and by serving side by side. If you have found during this past week, as I know that I have, if you have found your heart broken open by these events, then may that be an invitation for us to give ourselves to those who are nearest to us. An invitation for us to serve, an invitation to be kind, an invitation to be gentle and just. And then may we make a habit of it. For kindness and justice, are what we are made for. Gentleness is what will heal this world. Folks deeply committed to serving by God's grace, doing small bits of goodness where they are, and knowing, knowing every step of the way, the God of peace will be with us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent sermon podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.com.